Great. Okay. So, Gillis Klebo. Yeah. Welcome to our third, only our third, hmm. You Understood podcast. Um, it is terrible weather outside. Uh, and before we even get into it, I've got to say to everyone, I have been looking forward to this since the moment you said yes. <laughs> and a bit of background, I guess, on us uh -huh. is, is many a time have we walked uh, in nature uh, and had real deep and meaningful. So I guess uh, audience warning is it might it might go a bit deep, right? Uh, but try, try and keep me high, try and keep me high level. Um, but many a time we've done that. And personally, that has been in some pretty tough times for me. Mm -hmm. And I, I have hugely benefited from that interaction in a really difficult time in life. Mm -hmm. So um, we've had subsequent chats where I'm in a better place and it's always been positive. And we can get into the impact, I think, later on that people can have on other people, but, um, but hu hugely beneficial. And, and so personal thank you and a public thank you uh, for just being there, right? Um, oh, thanks, so it means a lot, means a lot. The second thing, I'm going to invade your personal space now because we're going to have a hug. Uh, cool. And we're going to have a hug because I, I dropped you a note this morning saying, can't wait to see you, can't wait to see you. <laughs> um, and several minutes later, I noticed a couple of missed calls. And he said, are we doing something today? Uh, and it is all on me. So uh, do not give me anything in life to organise because quite clearly I can't. But you have moved again, heaven and earth to to be here. Uh, and I really appreciate that. So hug it in. Hug it in. Um, thank you. Um, so uh, for the audience then, I know you pretty well, uh, cool. but who are you? Tell who the audience who you are and what you're about and what you do. Just give them a bit of insight. Um, okay. Uh, so I grappled with this, this question um, through, through lockdown. And um, I was beginning to wonder, who is this guy? Um, and, and I kind of, I think I've come to the conclusion that, that Gillis Klebo is, is the egoic part of me, right? So it's the part of me that has all the past experiences all the anxieties around maybe the future or the excitement around the future. Um, and it's this kind of arrangement of thoughts and, and, and patterns um, that, that creates Gillis Klebo. And then there's this other dimension, I think, which is the being part of me, which is, is, is the, the little fragment that I am uh, that's been split off from the, the one life that governs everything. Um, some call that. God, Jesus Christ, Vishnu. I mean, I'm sure there's multiple names yep. and labels, um, but I can see it as one thing. Uh, it could be a force, could be an energy, um, but I, I embody some of that and that's my core being. So so I see myself, so so Gillis Klebo in an easy way is two of these things. It's the form, the part of me that you can see physically, and it's the formless, the part of me that's um, uh, part of a, a much greater whole and uh that's how I see it now. I, 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 I've really lost interest in what people do for a living, for example. I just can't get myself that excited about it. Um, and I'm, I'm just eager to connect with the parts that are underneath a lot of the, the kind of surface labels that are applied to me and to other people. And, okay, so a couple of things. And I, I did warn Straight everyone, in. right? 
We're going to get deep here, right? So, um, and it depends on nothing, your perception. There's nothing new. There's nothing, nothing new. new. There's right? nothing new. Um, so I guess the first question I have, and may, maybe some of the listeners have, mm-hmm. is it, has there been a, um, a friction between those two versions of you or are they in unity and are they aligned uh, in terms of how you experience mm-hmm. life? Wonderful. That's, that's actually a really good question. I think initially there was a huge friction uh, and there still is friction today. But the way I look at it is that my job in life is to try and bring those together into unity. So the ego and the being part of me can both um, live together in, in a sort of harmony as opposed to being uh, there being a friction. Um, so when I, what, what, what I, what I found over the last few years was, um, it was like a living at home is like this massive pressurized sort of container of, um, having to get things done, having to have a lot of empathy, having to, um, find space for myself. I mean, everyone experienced it and what I, I'm so grateful for it. That's the funny thing. I'm, I wouldn't have had it any other way. Mm-hmm. And, and what, what's great about it was, is it really forced me into being present. It forced me. It was like, a, you need to figure something out here because that external world is doing what it's doing, right? Uh, you're getting told to stay in the house. Deal with it. How are you going to deal with that? So I, I had to go inside. So for the first time, I had to start going inside. And that's when I started to discover this rich depth, this limitless rich depth that I can call on at any time that gives me this real deep peace. And my ego went, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. I'm in the driving seat here. I've been keeping you safe for, you know, a long time. What are you doing? And the last few years have been the reconciliation of that battle. Um, and now I'm at a place where I can see the benefits of my ego and I can see the benefits of my being and I can see the drawbacks of both. And that has that awareness has allowed me to sort of unify them a bit better. But it's a process yep. and it's a journey and it's never a destination. I would never come along and say, oh, that's me. I know, you know my ego and my being are unified and yep. that's great. And I'm going to skip off into the sunset to you or, or whatever. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's a good question. I, I think. So you're not heading in a particular direction though. You're just experiencing what you experience. Well, that that's where all the anxiety for me had come from in my life was trying to be um, in the future state mm-hmm. based on the past state. Yep. And actually it's almost like the distance between those two things is the gap of anxiety that I experienced. Lovely way to describe it. That's, yeah. how, I, that's how I feel about it. Um, in my day-to-day life, I'm a headhunter. Okay. And um, what that involves is placing a lot of people into work. Mm-hmm. And what I've seen from that process is the difference between someone who goes to work and has a great time and someone who goes to work and has a, a, a terrible time seems to be that who they are at work and who they are at home are the same. So they go to work and they're the same person at work as they are at home. And so they don't experience, there's no gap in who they are. Whereas people who go to work and have a terrible time seem to go and the person they are at work is very different to who they are at home. And that gap is what I think is workplace stress. So I see that as a sort of model for myself. And um, so that, that, that gap has very much shrank down to, 
And the reason it shrank down is because I'm more present than I am worried about the past or worried about the future or, or whatever. And, and isn't there a something in there? Maybe, maybe not, but isn't there something in there about um, sort of destination as it relates to ambition and comparison of others and where maybe self-pressure, as in where you feel you ought to be? Mm. Um, so isn't there something in that gap that is about uh, looking outside one direction into everything, into the world that's noisy and, and all around us versus I think more what you're talking about, which is kind of more introspection and being aware and more self-conscious of one's self mm -hmm. and how content, uh, how happy or discontent one is. But if, if you're able to be more introspective, surely you're, you're more aligned to your, your own self, your self-being, right? Well, I think this is where um, it's a practice. So what I've done a lot more recently is I, I kind of stop a lot more. We talked about this a little bit. I pause a lot more. Yep. I never used to pause. I used to just sort of go from one activity to the next activity to the next activity. And I never actually built any time in my day for, for any reflection. And I think now what I'm doing is I'm very consciously aware that you know, every every three hours or so, I want to just stop. And I want to just go, hold on a minute, is this the best use of my time? Is this what I'm doing today? Does this align with who I am? You know, is there something... I'll notice if I'm not doing good work at something, it's probably because there's a conflict with a value or there's a conflict with okay. a principle. Yep. Um, so there was there was a lot in what you said, and, and I don't want to try and unpick everything from yep, it. Yep. But but effectively, it's taking the time for me to just reflect more allows me that introspective moment. That introspective moment allows me to then make better judgments on what I should do in the, the coming day or hour or, or week. So so are, are we getting to the crux of it actually quite early? So, so when people, I'm sure, as I do myself, hear you talk about learning to um, insert windows of reflection mm -hmm. into your day-to-day -day life. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that people are, are saying, oh, so easy to say, Gillis, right? So easy to say. You have no idea what is going on. I've got this to do. I've got school runs to do. Work's a nightmare. I've got a, a you know, I've got bills to pay now. Or, you know, finances all over the place. And you're talking about you know, finding time for reflection, what planet are you on? Right. And so the question I have is how, because I completely agree that those pauses and those time to reflect are so vital for keeping somebody's mental health in check for themselves. They're vital. But you try and have that conversation with someone when they've got this life, this noise going on around them, and they'll look at you like you've got two heads, right? So how did you get there just through that process of lockdown? Or was it something you knew you had to do and you've just found this discipline of inserting these little windows to help you? Because I, I've no doubt it's an enormous help and it grounds you and it keeps you who you are. But just talk about that for a second, because I'm sure you have this conversation with a, a, a large number of people and they're all looking at you like uh, La La Land. Yeah, yeah. It's easy for him to say. Easy for him it's to easy say. easy for him to yeah. say. So um, have you ever heard the quote, um, nothing real can be threatened? I have not. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. 
herein lies the peace of God. You heard that no, before? No. So um, this is, I, I, I can't rec recall the, the, the text it's from. It's, um, it's a relatively um, famous quote and among, um, you know, I guess the spiritual seeking community, okay. um, which I'm not a member of, <laughs> but it's certainly one that I've, I've, I've heard through um, the teachings of Eckhart Tolle. Um, who I, I'm a, a big a big fan of. Um, so nothing real can be threatened. Really, effectively, sort of speaks to, and, and nothing unreal exists. It, it, it's it's really just a, it's a sort of, it's kind of saying, all of this isn't really that important. I might think that earning the money. Uh, the school run, the busyness, the working hard. I might believe all these things to be deeply important. Um, and it's just a, it's just another perspective, but I'm, I'm not convinced it's all that important. When I've gone inside into the depth, the limitless depth inside my own person, my being, and I've dwelled there for any length of time, the, the satisfaction, the, the peace, the calm, the happiness, the joy that emanates as unparalleled and not found anywhere else. So I feel like what most people experience, and I include this in myself, is a little bit of trickery. And it's not really, um, I'm seeking joy and fulfillment in things external to me that will always be temporary. Yes. And actually, what I really want to experience is the is this depth again, this limitless peace inside, and actually all of those other things then take their right place. Yeah, and that's the way round I look at it and feel about it and experience it. And um, so, so I get that somebody might go easy for you to say, Gillis. I'm so busy. I I don't have time for these windows of reflection or moments to pause or or anything, but. Um, I just think that's the ego talking. And I think that um, if, if someone wants to make an excuse to ultimately not benefit themselves, that's okay with me. I don't actually judge that or hold any issues yep. with yep. it. But if someone's genuinely feeling like there's something missing in life and I felt that way, this is what's worked for me. Yep. And um, yeah, I wish everyone... Could feel it. It's, it's really powerful, and I, I think as as soon as you started to articulate the joys that you experienced from uh, from that introspection, uh, immediately everyone's saying, "I want some of that," right? Mm. Um, but but that's part of the narrative as well, isn't it? Because um, the way I am replaying what you just spoke about there is that. Um, I see it very similarly, but perhaps different, perhaps aligned. I think that humanity has become more lost with itself because it's not connected. Mm. Um, and we're not connected to things that we've spent millions of years evolving in, like our environment, as a just one example, but the relationships that we have. Um, lots of other examples uh, where there's millions of years of evolution behind it. And within the last 100, 
Yeah, it's, maybe. It's literally maybe. yeah uh, been turned upside down, and we're all trying to figure out how we cope with that speed of change. But I, but how I see it playing out in the world that I look at is that because of that, all those unfulfilled gaps and those questions that people have, they look externally and apply no real consciousness to looking at kind of sparkly things. And when I say sparkly things, I might mean, you know, objects or things like new cars or a holiday will fix everything or um, you'll do as my next relationship um, without any real feeling or thought behind what it is that's actually missing for them. And one of the things, and we'll move on to you understood in a minute, but one of the things that we really want to set out to achieve in some part, um, because there is no silver bullet with you understood, is just helping be a part of that re-self-discovery um, and that alignment with one true self. Um, so so, so that's, that's critical, I think. You can't replace gaps and questions without real thought and consideration behind what it is that, that makes you tick. And until you can understand that, then looking externally is, in my opinion, a waste of time. Uh, you might get a short-term hit from it, um, which may last a day, a week, even two or three years. But ultimately, that gap will remain because you haven't addressed it. Um, so I think there's similarities in what we're saying. Um, but yeah, very profound, right? Well, I mean, um, yeah, I, again, I'm not, I think innately most people know this. I think I think, it, I think, I think innately yeah, we, I think we, we know. I, I get the feeling that it's well understood, but there's just this part of us that gets in the way, this kind of desire for activity and busyness that gets in the way. And um I think that's the that's the it's the it's it's probably the same gap that you're talking about. It's the gap between the uh, the evolution of our species and what we've just only recently put ourselves into as a sort of construct um, our environment is completely different and uh, we're really living very far away from our evolution in my opinion and in a lot of ways um, which you know I've talked about so I was reading something the other day um, and I love the fact that you can recall people and quotes and and I'm kind of lost in this world of I read something the other day um, so I read something the other day uh, and it was talking quite legitimately and backed by real data around humanity actually being in the best place it's ever been. So when you look at data as it relates to, for example, poverty, mm -hmm. um, the, the global population has never been so financially rich and capable. And that, inc that includes the whole of the global population. When you look at things like health, you know, we've never, ever been in a scenario where uh, just the other day I saw the, the malaria vaccine that's come out and these leaps forward in progress. So um, th there are lots of uh, measurements where humanity is profoundly enriched. But conversely, I think that's caused um, all sorts of issues. And and one of... One of uh, one of the conversations I had around that 
was when you try and connect those two and think, well, why? Why is there this deficit in consciousness and mental health? Why are we seeing mental health becoming a, a real and ever-increasing problem? One of the answers I got back was um, it's expectation. So e even if you go back a 100 years and you talk to grandparents, um, their expectation of life was actually lower than we experience it today. And so words like stoic and stiff upper lip and you just accept things and get on with it, um, they were all prevalent because the expectation was lower. This is the answer I got. But now our expectation is here with life. So we're not as robust. We're not as resilient as we once were as a species. And therefore, it doesn't take a lot now to knock us off track and throw us into a wobble. Um, I wonder what you think of that. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So um, the um, there's an author, Nassim Taleb, uh, who has a book <laughs> called Anti-Fragile. Okay. Have you heard of the concept Anti-Fragile? No. So um, what, what, what you're saying effectively is that we have... Um, you, say you have a state which is fragile mm -hmm. and many people would say, okay, so what's the atonym of fragile? Oh, it's resilient, mm -hmm. right? Well, great. But actually, technically it's not. Technically, it's anti-fragile. And an anti-fragile system is different. An anti-fragile system is one where if you apply a stress, there is a response and that response makes the system stronger. So it's not just about resisting something, yep. it's about actually making that system better. Yep. And a human being is a fantastic example of an anti-fragile system. So, you know, I believe in evolution personally. I believe it's a credible theory. Um, we have a lot of good evidence for it, I, I believe. So, you know, how did a human being go from becoming potentially a monkey in a tree to uh, an apex predator? Uh, you know, basically the dominant species in the, in the earth, on the earth. And um, that must have contained an element of anti-fragility. We must have had to put ourselves in situations that were new, cold, hot, uh, sparse, or reduced access to food, reduced access to water, whatever it might have been. But we've adapted effectively yep. over time. And so we've changed as a result. And, and you know, we dig up humans from a long time ago and they look different to how we look now and on all that stuff. And brain size has been an interesting one. So, you know, it's gone from sort of small, you know, whatever, few hundred cc's up to sort of 1400 cc's um actually interesting the last hundred years brain sizes shrank very slightly and i don't think there's great evidence for it great data for it but it's something i've i've read about and so, somewhat makes a little bit of sense i think uh, given our changes in diet mm -hmm. um but the um the thing that really interests me is this fragile anti-fragility concept and what i think is happening if, if, if i could sum up the human race which is a terrible thing to do but if i could sum up what i think i see it's it's a movement away from or a fear of become or a fear of anti-fragility mm -hmm. uh, and and effectively that um the, i i you know i'm gonna not i'm not gonna remember this one okay. i saw a news article with the uh, from china about how the younger population is now they've got a phrase one of its like one of its like lying down uh, and basically what it means is at work people are refusing to put themselves through stressful situations 
Um, and and there's a, a more pervasive phrase that's come out and I, I can't recall what it is, mm -hmm. but effectively what they're saying is we've had enough. We don't want to work all the hours that our parents yep. worked. Uh, we don't see the, po the point in any of that. Yep. We don't enjoy it. It's not fun to do. We don't want to do that. Um, I, I see the benefit of that. I see mm -hmm. the, you know, I, I think, you know, what are we marching towards? Why yep. are we all getting busier? What's the purpose of that? Yep. But um, at the same time, I still believe that the human system needs some stresses. Yes. Because without the stresses, um, I'll tell you, I'll give you a personal story. So after university, I did not know what to do with myself. I went to America and sold study guides and Bibles door to door. Wow. Four months. And basically every Wednesday, I'd sit down and cry. Pretty much. Cool. Every Wednesday, it was almost like clockwork. I'd sit down and I would, I'd probably sob for a good couple of hours just to get the kind of visceral nature of this door-to-door -door rejection out of my system. Now, I took that very personally. And, and these days, I'd never take that personally, that rejection going door-to-door, -door, trying to sell something to someone who hasn't asked for you to be there and probably has absolutely no desire for you to be at the front door. Um, but what it did do is it, it that stress actually built me up and it helped me to then go into the working world when I started to work and realize Lord above, this is easy. Mm -hmm. This is very easy compared to going door to door for 12 hours a day, six days a week for four months straight. This is really easy. And that perspective, mm -hmm. put myself through that trial and that perspective has made a lot of my life a lot easier than I think. Adversity, they say some of the top athletes yeah. in the world will put themselves in in very stressful, difficult situations because they recognize, and it may be innately, but they recognize that that stress enables them to grow and enables them to be different and competitive. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, you know, I, I, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. Um, so the question going through my mind though is is why do you think we're we're now backing away from those stressful situations so i can see the logic for example in saying what's the point right so so for me that's i guess a higher level of intelligence around questioning the purpose of just doing things uh, stress or not so so you could argue that's a positive move and i think many do but um but unless you're in challenging situations, unless you're enduring stress, um, I spoke to um, names drop here. This is one of the names I can remember because it was visual. Um, but I was on a on a, uh, a conference call with Sugar Ray Leonard, the boxer. Wow! And uh, I was starstruck. And oh, uh, nice. I, but but I but I asked him about what he felt made an average boxer, a great boxer that could win world title fights and win Olympic gold medals. And uh, his answer was the ability to endure pain. That was his answer. That's, that's, the, answer. that's the difference. So if you can endure pain, it puts you on a, a different threshold, a different capability to the average human. Um so there's there's something I again I think that's pretty similar. But what why do you think we're kind of backing away from those difficult scenarios now? So I'm going to give you an answer that I think won't be very um, 
popular, maybe. I don't okay. know. Yeah. Or, or, or it might sound a bit quack. Okay. Does that sound? Yeah, love it. Love will, it. Will we go there? Yeah, do it. Absolutely. Let's go there. Let's, let's go there. Let's do it. <laughs> so um, uh, I I look at the human uh, the human being, look at myself, and I, and I look at the inputs. Okay. So what can I do? I can eat food. I can drink water or drink liquids. Uh, I can read things. I can touch things. I can smell things. I can taste things. So there's there's only a few kind of inputs really, right? And, you know, you can count them on two hands really, right? I think a huge part of the reason why people are um, moving away from anti-fragility and moving away from stressors is because the human system itself is depleted. Um, so if, if, if you imagine, a, you know, a, a, take the glass, right? And, and, the, and the glass is full with um, resources, mm -hmm. then I can drink half the resources or use half the resources, even better, um, and I still got half left. But if I take the current half full glass and I, you know, um, and take all those resources out, half of those resources, same amount of resources I'm taking, but now there's nothing in that in that vessel, there's nothing yep. left. Yep. Then uh, naturally there'll be, that's extremely stressful for that. If we imagine that's yep. a human, that's yep. extremely stressful, yep. right? So about three years ago, I changed my diet and I've talked to you about it and I became carnivorous. So I, I cut out a large amount of plants from my diet. I basically went through about a year of not eating any, virtually any plants at all. Uh, I know it sounds completely wacko and against the uh, the current you know medical guidance and and what the NHS might tell you, um, but I was in a situation where I'd done my research and I felt it was a good idea to try something new. I'm big on trying stuff. I'm not a big fan of trying to second guess everything. I yep. think give it a whirl. If experience it, it right? experience yeah, it right, yeah. and if it doesn't work, doesn't work. That's yep. okay. It's fine. Um, the benefits I received from that were incredible. And I believe uh, the reason why I'm able to do what I'm able to do. So what I've done is I've taken very nutrient-dense food with very low toxicity because plants contain toxins. Um, I, it's not a belief system. They do. Uh, they've got chemical defenses to prevent excessive predation. Um, and what I've done is I've basically taken my, my, my system and I've, from halfway, I've filled it up, at least to 90, 95%, I believe. And the reason I believe that is because if I look at the human brain, it's a very resource, energy hungry um, thing, and it needs a lot of nutrients, particularly micronutrients. Um, uh, B12 is a big one. Um, I think the hormone vitamin D is another big one. Um, and so what I've done is I've filled, I've, my reserves are so high mm -hmm. that now when I'm in a situation that might be deemed stressful, I don't experience the same level of stress I used to experience. And it's been a really big eye opener for me. Um, I've kind of, I sort of don't believe it in a way. And I'm wondering if it's all, all problems are multivariate. And I'm wondering to, to what extent diet's been important. But I think for me personally, if I was to put a percentage on it, I'd say about 80% of the reason why I'm able to handle my the stress in my life is because of what I eat. But it feels too good to be true. But it feels too good to be true. And it's certainly the opposite of the story that I've been told my entire, you know, waking life. Yep. Uh, and I say waking life because that's what it feels a bit like is um, a lot of my life I was asleep. I was relatively asleep at the wheel. You know, there was somebody driving, but kind of half eyes shut and sort of, you know, 
all over the road. I, I think that's how most people feel. And the the the, the, the several things happened combined. I, I you know I've, I've howled at the moon. I've ran around a fire naked. I've, I've you know cried out you know and, and and got all the anger and sadness out of my system. You know these kind of things happen too. But also um, this diet change uh, has made such a profound impact um, on me that. Uh, you know, I'm a very, my, my wife's a vegetarian, so she's like, you know, you're a wacko, right? Uh, which I think is totally, and I'm kind of like, sort of like, yeah, it's fairly valid. Um, but what I've noticed is that, that but because that reservoir is so high that just stress is just not as big a part of my life as it used to be, combined with something like nothing real can be threatened, nothing unreal exists, herein lies the peace of God. I, there's parts of me that say, well, what, what, am I, what am I getting stressed about anyway? Yeah. What does it mean, right? I, all, all I can get out of my head now is is, is the dinner table at home for you guys. <laughs> it's like a it's like a ping pong table with a a much bigger uh, net in the middle yeah. between the two, but the net isn't see through, right? Because well, it's yeah. very different. I, I do. I, I try my best to be um, respectful of, of course, yeah. uh, you know yeah. everyone's. I think it's very fair if someone does want to, doesn't want to eat animals. Yeah, I'm cool with that Absolutely, too. You know, yeah. more yeah. for me. Yep. And also, uh, that's their choice, yep. uh, and I respect it. A hundred percent, and and I think that's it. I, th I think there's too much criticism, uh, and again, so I always talk about social media, but social media has, has encouraged this dramatically. But uh, I think, you know, as long as you're doing no harm uh, to anyone or to anything or to, to even yourself, um, then you should, you know, you should be allowed to really experience life the way you want to experience it, right? Um, and that may be completely different to others, and that's okay. Mm. Well, we, we have a blessing that we say sometimes at the dinner table, yep. which is um, that um, we give thanks yep. to the living beings that suffered and died against their will yep. to nourish us. And I think that's what I'm sort of summing up is, um, you know, somebody might say, well, harm will kill a shooting loads of animals surely yep. that that's that's harmful yes but my belief is that you know if you look at the population of the earth 80 percent of all the animals on earth at one time were carnivorous mm -hmm. so i think life eats life mm -hmm. wherever you go mm -hmm. and um i also believe that you know uh it's very hard not to take life yep. if another life wants to live so even if someone does go to a hundred percent plant-based diet there are still deaths involved in that. It's just a different nature of death, a different type of death. Yeah. So it's very hard to avoid death is my point. And I think it's part of the system. Um, and it's just what death you choose, you choose to uh, enact in your own, in own, your own way is just take responsibility for that. Be part of that. Accept it. Um, you know, don't kid yourself as a kind of part of it for me. Great. Love it. And, 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 you know, c contention, is 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 good right i i i love topics that challenge uh, get people to rethink reassess um i think those are positive things and it doesn't mean by the way you have to sit and agree uh, mm -hmm. at all uh, but just making you think about things from a different perspective and a different set of experiences can only be a healthy thing um okay so you understood you understood mm -hmm. um you, you you've really been instrumental in offering to just help us in the very early part of our journey uh, we're still trying to figure how uh, how we can make the best impact uh, through of course the use of advanced and innovative technology but also by just talking about you know mental health and life and lived experience uh, and I think I often kind of refer to 
branches in life that you can either watch as you drift by or you can grab onto one. And I think, you know, the way I'd like to see it is that all we're doing is really putting branches into the stream of life. And uh, if people want to, you know, grab hold of one uh, and 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 it's useful to them, then brilliant. And if they want to want to watch as they as they drift by, that's also good. Um, so we're we're still on that journey. We're making huge progress on the technical side. We're getting great guests in like you and talking about mental health. Why, uh, beyond a personal uh, favor to me, why do you think it's important to try and be heard and to and to have your um, opinions shape what we're trying to do? Well, I think what you're actually doing is um, is exactly the first step that most people need to take when they're trying to, when I was trying to improve my state of mind, um, it was all about awareness. And what you're doing is you're, you're providing a technology. So, so the phone's always there, right? I've got my phone on me now. Yep. I'm, I'm assuming you've got yep, yours, right? Yep. And it's a great bit of kit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is absolutely phenomenal bit of kit. And this is what I love about the human race. We've, we've really, some of the stuff we've invented is pretty cool. And I do think technology's agnostic. It can be used for good. It can be used for bad. Absolutely. It's really up yep. to the person um, and, and up to the collective. And so the, what, what you've created with, with You Understood is it's the opportunity to pause and it's the opportunity to, I think, recount and recall as well. Because, you know, as you say, people are busy, right? They are busy. We're self-made busy or, or we're busy as a result of external circumstances, whatever you think. But having that ability to look back and and maybe have a little more, add, a meat, add meat to the bone, add, add, add some... Um, all oh, right, yeah, okay. That was oh, that's my trend. I can see, I can see like I'm kind of making improvements, or I can see actually, mm, maybe I'm not. Maybe, and it's just that opportunity to have that. There's something up. There's something about an objective piece of, even though it's it's self input. There's mm-hmm. something about having that objective view of a sort of time horizon that allows me to go, ah, okay, mm-hmm. maybe I'm not placing the right importance on certain things, mm-hmm. and it's it's. It just creates more opportunity for pause and it creates a, yeah, a, a what would I call it? There's, there's an element of an objectiveness to it, mm-hmm. which is actually really, really healthy. It's very easy for me to get caught up in thinking that I'm justified in an emotion. Okay. Like, oh, I'm angry. I must, well, I must be justified. Right. But actually, <laughs> it, could, it might not be justified at all. In yep. fact, I might be looking at it through a lens that's completely untrue. Yep. I might have made a bunch of assumptions about a situation, um, you know, that, that are just are completely, you know, false. So so what I love about it is there's an objectivity to, there is an objectivity to how I feel. There has to be, um, just by logic. And so um, that's what I love about it is it's, and that's why I'm on board with it. There's a there's a ton of things that, that that give me stress because there's so many of them in the backlog. And one of the things I've noticed uh, is you know your your justification around emotions. Um, I, I whether it's at one extreme uh, in the positive 
sphere or whether it's the other extreme in the negative sphere. I had a had a had an experience recently that I captured, a moment in time that I captured, and it was a negative moment. And unusually for me, it was um, a, a pretty significant negative emotion that was surrounding this moment in time. And I captured it. Would you be willing to name it? Uh, it was... It you don't was, have to say the actual thing, but I mean, like, what was the emotion? The emotion, the emotion was, uh, was anger. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's something that I rarely, and I mean, re really rarely, uh, experienced. So it kind of caught me a little by surprise. And that's why I felt that I had to capture it so that I could reflect as, as you were talking. One of, so, so what I realized the next day was that the emotions that I'd felt had dissipated and they were far less acute and um, life had moved on. But at the time, the rawness of that emotion, and again, you can apply it to any emotion, any adjective, but the rawness of that emotion was very real, right? Perception is reality. And so you talk about justification, but one of the things that we've got in our backlog is being able to um, what we what we call layer. So once you've put a moment in time in, it's um, it, it's unique and it's authentic uh, because it's the way you felt and you've articulated that as best you can on that moment in time and in that record. Um, but Time moves on, emotions move on, and the ability to reflect on that particular moment through reflection is something we're calling layering. So you can then go in back into that moment in time and not edit because the authenticity of the moment for you and the user we believe to be very important, but the ability to reflect and lay on top a different set of emotions that are surrounded by different context and with time having passed, we feel will be incredibly strong for people to look at how they change. Um, and it's kind of in line with the, the year at a glance mood map that we have, is that when you're having a tough day or a good day, it can be all consuming. It can be all consuming and you're never getting out of it. And the feelings you have are never going to go away. And it's, it's awful. It's awful. But actually you wake up the next day and it's not quite the same. I'm not saying everything's rosy and there's flowers outside, but something's changed. Um, and being able to recognize that those changes happen sometimes acutely and over a, a short period of time, but other times over a longer period of time is really important when you're going through an emotion at the time, recognizing the fact that those feelings will change over time, perspective becomes different, reflection becomes different, and experiences beyond that moment in time that you're experiencing are going to change probably significantly. So as you look back, you look back with a different set of lenses and probably multiple lenses. So I... Does that does that sound like a good a, a good backlog uh, item to have in or? Well, that's I mean that that is yeah. So the human mind is um, th looks through perception, right? There's there's a there's a filtering 
Mm-hmm. There's a filtering, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at you. I can only take in so much information. Yep. I can only remember so much. I won't go away and be able to recite what you've said word for word, yep. will I? Well, Unless I'm, I've got I'm pretty a, sure you will based on what I've heard today. But. <laughs> Unless I've got a photographic memory, which yep. is quite a real thing in the population. So ultimately, because that of that selective listening, memory, retention, um, having something that allows me to um, make that recording and then go back and go, did I, did I really, was I, did I, <laughs> did, was I genuinely? Absolutely. And actually that self-review, that self-reflection um, is the absolute gold. It really is the gold because I can, I, I can look at that and go, okay, anger, nine out of 10 or anger, seven out of 10 or, or sadness, uh, eight out of 10. Um, but I can also then on the reflect, on reflecting on that, I can also see that there's a, there's a joy, <laughs> there's a positivity that comes from, um, looking at something and going, oh, that wasn't really a nine out of 10 at all. Mm-hmm. And actually as that situation may crop up again, it doesn't have to be a nine out of 10. It can be a three out of 10. Absolutely. It can be, it can be a nine out of 10 or it can be an eight out of 10. And the next time a seven out of 10, the next time a six out of 10, it doesn't, it doesn't really have, to, I don't have to make some big step change either. No. And so, um, no, I love it. I think that's, um, I love that concept layering. layering. I've never, yeah. I've never come across that. Yeah. There's many more. We'll, we'll talk about those another time. Um, but we, we really just appreciate you, uh, offering to help and, 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 you know, re- really, really positive, uh, feedback so far. So thank you so much. And thank you again for, for, for showing up today, despite my lack of organization. Um, okay. So I, I, I can't move forward and we're going to, we're going to push the boundaries again here, mm-hmm. if you don't mind. Uh, but, but I, I want to touch on what I'm seeing out there in the market, uh, around psychedelics. Mm-hmm. And um, I know you've got your own view and your own experiences on them, but from what I, and you'll have to forgive me and my ignorance here, uh, but from what I can understand, they, they've, they've been used uh, as a medicine uh, and, and uh, uh, a way of altering perception uh, of life for a very long time. And... Up to present day, we've probably had 30, 40 years where they've been vilified, I guess, um, as, as a drug, uh, as, as something that, that shouldn't be touched. And, and uh, you know, goodness me, if you go near them, you're in big trouble, right? But, but there's now, as I talk, there's a huge amount of work and of research uh, and study being done around the benefits of psychedelics. Um, so it, it, in my naive world, um, I, I look at, um, and again, th- this is uneducated, so so forgive me, but I look at the amount of um, off-the-shelf drugs that are being prescribed to the global population, particularly as it relates to mental health, in vast, vast quantities, and I shudder at that alone, um, that cannot be the answer short, mid, long term. Um, the problem's getting worse, 
uh, and more challenging. It's not getting better. So could you share some of your experiences, your thoughts, your beliefs on psychedelics and and um, and maybe how you feel, if at all, they have a role to play in someone's journey through life? Cool. So um, I like the stone ape theory. Okay. Stone ape theory is great fun. Okay. So I think this is Terence McKenna that came up with this, who's a well-known psychonaut, as you call him. Uh, <laughs> So stone ape theory effectively goes that um, we would be hunting large prey, very large prey, uh, land land animals, large ruminant animals normally. They eat a lot of vegetation. Um, these animals are chewing 80-90% of their waking day. If anyone's ever spent any time with an elephant, they'll know an elephant just eats all the time, right? Because <laughs> they're huge and they've got to maintain that mass and they do it through um, fermenting the vegetation they eat. Um, and that, they turn it into short-chain fatty acids and you know, that's what makes them big and powerful. So they're eating all day and they're also defecating all day. Mm -hmm. So how would you find a large animal to hunt and kill and eat? Well, you'd probably follow its poo, right? You'd follow its dung. Yep. And what grows in dung? Well, interestingly, mushrooms okay, do. Okay, okay. Um, so there's a little bit of a, yeah, it's just a fun theory. It might mean nothing yeah but you know we're we're hunting we're, we're we're following along and oh look there's something what is that i don't know what it is here john why don't you try that john always tries everything <laughs> john gives it a go oh john's off to some spacey wonderland <laughs> what's that all about so there's a there's a sort of view that potentially uh these psychedelic um primarily mushrooms would have uh potentially started off us seeing new visions and and developing our language capabilities and our creative uh, abilities to begin problem solving in new ways and to create new technologies. So, well, that spear's okay. It's a bit crooked. Let's have a straighter spear or whatever it might be, right? Um, now, I think that has, has a little bit of weight to it. Yep. I mean, to what degree an entire... Populate an entire species. I mean, I don't know how many humans were around at the time. Couldn't have been that many. Um, but five, to, five or six. They could have been. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, and and you know, it's just a it's, it's just a fun theory. But the point being is that it's well understood that psychedelics now, when they've imaged regions of the brain, light the brain up. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's clear that that's that's what's happening. And um, my personal experience of them has been that um, that's exactly what they do. They're like a sort of a, a, a sweat. A, they turn on, I think they just kind of open up all the channels, all the available channels, hearing, sight, taste, touch, smell. They just open it all up and um, there's just an inpouring of data. And that data can start to get a bit funky looking and, you know, people can hallucinate and see all sorts of things. Um, but but it's an enhanced awareness. So I think it starts there. Yes. Okay. So like any any chemical in the body, there's always going to be a fulcrum. There's going to be a point where uh, it's fun. Yeah. And then it's no longer fun. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, yeah. So you know people have had horrendous trips on yep. you know mushrooms and LSD and these things um, where they've really had a bad time. And I I suspect that's got to do largely with the dose and the set and the setting as opposed to. Um, you know, uh, somebody who's respectful with that particular yep. chemical or that particular um, uh, drug or medicine. You can use all sorts of labels. Um, so done respectfully and done uh, well, I think that 
the, the, the opening up of these channels is a profound experience for most people. And um, certainly for me, I mean, I, I, the thing that I immediately became aware of um, was the, the connectedness of everything, uh, the real genuine connectedness of everything. And physically, it makes a lot of sense to me because the 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 space in between every atom is technically connected to the space in every other atom yes everywhere in the universe yes so it, it physically it makes sense to some degree but 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 it's not a physical connection it's the connection through space so you and i are completely connected mm-hmm. um but i'll give another example if we look at the ukraine war mm-hmm which is a terrible thing to happen. And yep. a war on any scale, in any place, I think is absolutely tragic. Um, that is having a profound impact across the whole world. Absolutely. Totally. Whether you want it to or not, connected, we're yeah. all in it together. Absolutely. Yep. So so it doesn't, I can say, oh, well, it's not in my back garden, mm-hmm. but it is. It is. It is in my back garden. It is, yep. It's coming right for me. Yep. And that's the responsibility that I feel, uh, you know, strongly about. But equally, that's what psychedelics have given me. They've given me a sort of real lived experience, tangible, I can kind of grasp it feeling of being completely connected. And that feeling it doesn't go away. I haven't noticed it massively diminish or tail off or I've tried to change my mind about it or anything like that. So it's kind of push the graphic equalizer up, if you like. Everything. Show age now. It's but, all, yeah. Uh, but, but it stays there. Is that what you're saying? That's what it does. I think yeah. I think it keeps the doors open for yeah. quite a long time. Okay, okay. Um, I do think it can fade, but I think that lived experience is very hard to like change or get rid of. Um, and so, so, so the counter to that is, you know, someone's not feeling well yeah. uh, mentally, so they go to the doctor, the doctor prescribes them, you know, an antidepressant, an, antidepressant. Uh, an SSRI yeah. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. whatever yeah. it is yeah. um, of some kind. But um, they don't get the interconnectedness along with that that yep. that, that drug. Yep. So I'm not saying the drugs don't have any utility. They, 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 they clearly have value or else people wouldn't use them. Yep. But they're only a small part of the problem. They're just saying, well, we're kind of, we're going to remove how you feel about the problem, but we're not going to offer the deeper solution, which is, that when you start, when I felt completely connected to all things, which is quite an experience, um, it suddenly put a lot of other things in perspective, and it certainly put that acute situation in perspective. You, you and I share very strongly. I feel that connectedness of everything, um, and I, I, I would quite happily describe that as as a, a kind of a spiritual sense. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and I think it ties into a word you used uh, a little while ago, which is respect uh, and, and you know, d- difference of, of being. Um, so we, we, we share that. The, the, the question I have, I guess, because I haven't got experience on psychedelics at all, um, but I, I feel like I've always had that innately in me. And the question I was curious really about with you is that you know spiritually was that there prior to to your experience with you know psychedelics or or do you think it was there but it but it but it needed to be nurtured or or actually it was always there it was always strong and this has just enhanced it and made it a more enriched uh, sense of belief 
It's a good question. So for me personally, um, I would say I was an atheistic, I had an atheistic perspective, yep. a very, um, uh, you know, sort of maybe potentially anti-religious view um, of of uh, the world when um, prior, prior to any experimentation with psychedelics. But um, it was it was the, the practice of going internally first that actually really made the difference. Okay. Um, psychedelics are like many things. Um, it's it's an adjunct. It's it's an add a add on an extra. It, it it will never, and I think I can't I can't possibly take the place of doing the hard work yourself. Yes. Okay. So the 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 the, the practice of of actually taking the pause, um, going within, experiencing what's inside, having a search, having some time for that, it is still profoundly. Uh, more enjoyable than the kind of forced nature that a, that a drug uh, creates. Yep. I still think it's of benefit to anyone to try psychedelics, um, you know, obviously of uh, an adult mind and of, you know, um, in a safe setting with people that you, you trust or, you know, with, with family or something like that. Um, but... Um, it's only ever going to be a little bit of a, you know, a bit of fun, really, I think. Yep. I think that the real work for me, so the real work for me came when, you know, when we went into lockdown and I really struggled with it. That's when I started to really challenge who I was, what I was about. That's when I started to go inside a lot more. So this is all quite new for me. I, I would just like to say that. It's okay. not like I'm some, you know, doing it for 20 years, some, yep. you know, guru sitting on a hill somewhere. I'm just a guy, you know, that, that's found some stuff that's worked um, for him, you know. Um, so so it definitely was the the personal exploration of the spiritual journey first. Um, a lot of what I really like is the teachings of Eckhart Tolle. I, I don't know if Tolle is the right way to say his name. Tolle, some people say uh, T-O-L-L-E. Um, that for me was the real change and then the psychedelics kind of came after that a little bit okay. because I thought, okay, um, I'd like to, I'd like to try them together. I'd like to try what it's like to do that together to enhance the already really rich experience. And, you know, it was phenomenal. I mean, it was just, it was just a magical, magical experience. It just completely changed my view on a lot of things, you know, um, so we have we haven't got time for my quantum entanglement <laughs> piece then. Um, so um, so okay. So lo lots of people uh, are going to be listening to this, watching this, and um, what I always like to ask is if you were to give somebody just a little bit of advice. You know, again, not the silver bullet. Um, it, it feels to me that you're saying you know, find time to, and space and peace of mind to just have a bit of uh, self-discovery, introspection, because by doing that, you're giving yourself a great shot at um, being able to cope with everyday life. Um, is that fair or, or, or would you would you kind of extend it uh, or, 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 or give them a different piece of advice on how they could take you know, very small steps to try and um, tackle their challenges, to tackle their environment, um, to tackle their stress levels. Um. Okay. So I'll just, one practical thing. Go for it. Um, 
if they've got a set of steps in their house, stairs okay. in their house. Yep. I haven't, so now I feel oh, left dang out. Dang it. Have you got any in the front door? I've got some in the back garden. Back garden. Okay. Cool. I mean, most people have got a step somewhere. <laughs> so we'll go with that, right? Okay. I'm, One I'm step there. is enough. I'm there. Okay. The next time you go up the stairs or step out in the garden or wherever it might be, irrelevant really, feel every step. Just feel every single step. Take your time. Go really slowly and feel every single step. Really be in the body. Just quieten that mind down. Forget about where you're going. Forget about what the destination might be. Feel the step. That's it. That one practice has been the big difference for me between the stress of being in the past dwelling on the past and the stress of you know thinking about the future to to just be in present and it doesn't have to be for very long it just has to be a moment in time and that first experience of that process should i hope set off a a desire to continue to do that uh, it could be when you get in the car and you just take 10 seconds, shut the door, 10 seconds, no one else is there, if you're on your own obviously, and just be there, be there just for a very short period of time. And there's no right way to do it, there's no wrong way to do it, you can't, you can't really mess it up, it's just something that you put in every day, and I've put in every day to my, my life. So that's what I would do, a practical thing to do. I love that. Um, and, and it reminds me, it evokes memories uh, of uh, a time that I had recently on the beach, uh, lucky enough to live uh, next to the coast. And uh, it sounds like a really, well, yeah, of course, why, why wouldn't you? Um, but, uh, you know, I, I took the shoes off and was just walking uh, with my bare feet on, on the sand. And that sounds so shruggy shoulders, uh, but it was... It was profound for me. Um, I felt a sense of connectedness uh, with the environment. It was a different sensation. It was a sensation that I, uh, you know, I rarely get to experience. And it was a, a really deep sense of tranquility that uh, I often search for, uh, but don't find. Um, so you're taking a moment, you're your advice on taking that step and really just taking the time to take it all in, take a, take, take some time to, to really think about things, be in that moment, be present, I think is, is gold. Gillis, we, I had so much more stuff, uh, but we, we are definitely out of time. I'm already, by the way, being criticized for the length of the podcasts. Generally, I talk too much, apparently. Um, so I want to thank you again. Uh, please come along again. We can maybe touch on uh, some of the other uh, subjects we didn't get to touch upon today. There's a whole raft of things that we're up to technically. Uh, continue to value and encourage your feedback on on the progress there good and bad is both both welcome um but thank you so much for coming along my pleasure paul thank you brother appreciate right. it a lot have a good one cheers. all right cheers